What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of the show. It is episode 324, July 27th, 2022. Flying through the year. We're halfway through the quad already. We only had one Olympics, but um, things, things are going fast. Kyle Kleeman is not here. He's over in Rome um, at the Cadet World Championships. But I'm excited about today's guest. It is TJ Seabolt. Uh, from Seabolt Wrestling Academy out in Iowa. They just had a phenomenal Fargo. And let's bring him on. TJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, so really, you know, when, when we have guests on, especially for the first time, I like to just kind of dig in and find out, you know, your your story, your story through wrestling. Um, I know you grew up in Iowa. What part of Iowa? What was it like? Uh, what was uh, where you're from like? And what was, I guess, the wrestling culture like growing up? Grew up in Centerville, Iowa. It's southern Iowa, small town. Um, actually, fairly decent, uh, rich tradition in wrestling, sort of. Like Chad Zapital, who wrestled at Iowa a couple times in TA runner-up, was was from that high school. Um, when I was when I was young, the high school program was pretty decent. I think they won a state title in '87. Um, just kind of went through the whole youth program of Centerville Mat Club. And that's kind of how I got started. Um, blue collar, small town, like I said. Uh, hard to find, hard to find workout partners back in the day, just because you're kind of away from any of the metro areas and things like that. But uh, obviously, the more you wrestle, you you make relationships and things like that, and you end up, you know, getting somebody 20, 40 miles away to come come work out at your own personal mat and things like that. But that's kind of how it was growing up. That's crazy. Um... Yeah. What was the Centerville Youth Club like? Um, what was it, you know, nowadays, you know, you have a club, Jody Stripmatter. We can go on, right, with, with the top-level coaches around the country who know top-level wrestling, but was it just dads? Was it people who wrestled in high school? Was it people who had wrestled in college? Kind of what was the, the makeup of the, the youth club and, and how serious was it? From the very beginning, I think the youth club was just, at the time, it was actually the high school coach stayed after high school practices, and he ran, you know, just a school uh, mat club for beginners, basically. That's that's what I remember of it. And then I think I think there was some dads involved, and I think some of the some of the uh, elite high school guys would stick around and help some of the kids. And that's another thing. I actually ended up doing a lot of personal private workouts with the head coach at that time, Michael Upnick's son, Jason, who he really helped me, you know, understand technique and, and the rules of wrestling and really propelled me forward, I think, in the beginning. You say he helped me understand um, technique and, and the rules of wrestling. I don't think necessarily you're talking about the rule book. Are you, or are you talking more like, you know, I don't know, understanding uh, of positions and tactics or something I just remember when I sort? first started wrestling, like, I didn't understand it. Like, I didn't grow up where I had brothers and things wrestling. I just kind of, my dad just like, hey, you're, there's a mat club, you're going to it. And at the time, I'm like wrestling. And the only thing I knew wrestling was like WWF at the time. So I didn't have a clue. Like, I didn't understand the scoring and, and you know, two takedown, three near fall. I didn't understand any of it in, in the beginning. And he was just a guy that kind of helped me understand that better. And then, you know, obviously learn, learn scoring holds and positions and, and things like that. He really helped me in the very beginning of, of my wrestling. Okay. And you said your dad just kind of like said, hey, we're doing this. Like, did you yeah. like it at the beginning or, or did it take you a while? And, and if, well, yeah. And then what did you eventually like uh, from the start? Okay, so here's how it went down. I was in, I was in first grade, I think they handed out mat club flyers and I just brought it home. Didn't think anything of it. And my dad's seen it either on the table or counter or wherever he's seen it. And he's like, Hey, you're going to do this. And I was just like, Oh, okay. So I didn't, I did not like it. I mean, I'm sure I just got throttled. I can't really remember that first practice. I just, you know, not a care in the world, just out there on the mat. Um, didn't understand Obviously, if I was winning or losing or anything like that, certainly didn't hate it. Uh, it's tough to remember. Yeah, I do remember. You know, once I started understanding wrestling, that's when that's when I started liking it. 
And was that like within the first year or the first couple of years? I want to say probably the second year because my first year, this is no joke. I got pinned like 25 times in a row. That was my, that's how I started. <laughs> so pretty rough, rough beginning as far as results. I, 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 I hate to say this, but I think I would have quit. Honestly, well, I'm, I'm, like this... I'm, I'm sure my dad is about to go nuts because he, he did wrestle in high school. And I mean, it was, wasn't like he was a state champ or anything, but he was a decent athlete. So I'm sure he's just, he was pretty frustrated with how things was going. That's why he hired uh, like a private, private coach. And that was who I was talking about, Jason Lubnick, to kind of help me along. And like I said, I made a big jump from year one to year two, just because of him. And finally started getting some, you know, some matches where I got my hand raised a couple of times and wasn't getting pinned all the time. But it was definitely a gradual – it took me a while to have success in the sport. Did you work with Jason like just that one year or like a few or like a lot or the whole time? I think it was a couple years. Uh. Like, again, this is a long time ago. I can't remember exactly. I was young, like six, six, seven, six, seven, and maybe eight years old when I was working with him. Wow. Uh, I want to say two years probably, but I don't know. Maybe it was three. Yeah. I'm like that. So and we did that. My yep. my dad actually just bought a mat. He just bought a whatever it is, ten by ten or twelve by twelve mat, and we just did lessons right there in the house. And it was that same mat that you were corralling kids from the area or region to try to come work out with you. It was, and that mat, as far as I know, is still in his building. It obviously grew. He ended up getting another one of those mats. So then after a while, it evolved to where there was two two small circle mats. And then it, obviously we moved houses. So it moved to the basement. And he actually built that house. So he kind of structured it around what the wrestling room in the basement would look like. Really? And then, and then he actually ended up just building a standalone building that had a full-size high school mat, those two small circles, a rope tower, and – Actually, it ended up evolving into there was a housing even connected. He built built on later. So, so obviously, yeah. it's not just you and one or two kids from the area. As the building is growing, right? You're you're getting this bigger for a reason. So, like, who was it? A club or was it just uh, just uh, people training together? What it sounds cool, but it's if it's getting bigger, there's there's a need for that. It, and- it kind of evolved into a club. I mean, for a while it was, you know, a four man group, four man group. Like it just depend on the week, but pretty standard would be me, uh, a high school teammate. That was a couple times state champ, Justin Brown, Nick Pickerel, who was 20 miles away and ended up uh, transferring his senior year to be a teammate. Uh, Tony Loveston, who again was a teammate. And then sometimes a lot of times like Joe Slayton would come down and we'd we'd work out together, and even there was a couple summers in there that I remember where Lance Palmer was staying the whole summer training with us. So it was just a different time. I don't know if I call it a club, at least not not my group. He ended up, you know, people kind of being interested in him coaching their kids. He ended up running his own club. Um, that was Corey Clark and Jack Hathaway and Willie Miklas and. Justin Kofi and all these little studs, they were all part of my dad's, my dad's uh, original club. Was this wrestling building, was it on the same property where the house is, where you guys lived, or was it separate? It was on the same property. Basically, walk out the house, walk 100 yards, you're in the wrestling building. <laughs> oh it, was, it was quite the setup. it sounds awesome it was it was good it was good i was in there a lot but it was good was it ever too much like you know you need separation like uh between it's like shit sometimes you can't get away if you want to well there wasn't really any getting away i mean anybody who knows a little bit of my background was i mean it was it was tough uh my dad had a lot of expectations and i mean we trained we trained yeah, probably too much. Um, but I guess that's <laughs> that's just how it was. I mean, you wake up, you wake up 
five in the morning, you go down and you have an Adam dummy down there, or he has someone ready waiting for you early in the morning to get a drill in. And then maybe if you have time, you're getting a lift in and then, then you got classes. And then in the afternoon, you're doing obviously whoever's there from that four man, five man, six man group I talked about. And you're, and you're getting in a two hour practice. And then at night, you're either back on the Adam dummy drilling or you're climbing ropes or aerodyne workouts. He actually ended up getting a sauna. He was, I mean, we were doing saunas and cold tubs when I was 11, 12 years old. Oh, wow. I don't know why I was picturing this to be like high school. I mean, that, it all the way through high school. Yeah. But this started at 11. Well, like, I don't uh, know the exact timeline. Th- I mean, we had, we had the small mat when I was real young and then it morphed into the two mats. And I don't, I think he finally built the standalone building my eighth grade year, I believe. Okay. Unless I'm, I'm off there, but, uh, it all kind of blends together the training anyway. Yeah. So you like, you say, you, you know, looking back, we probably trained too much. And I think a lot of, right. I think that's th- this as wrestling evolves, I think college programs are figuring that out and, and, and it's trickling and it has trickled, but at the time, what did it feel like too much or was it just like, this is probably what we're supposed to do or did you ever get sick of it and burn out, whatever you want to call it? Uh, burnout's a funny word to me. I there's obviously days where you didn't feel like doing the ridiculous training regimen I had. Um, but it, it just became, Hey, this is what I do. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't look back on it like, Oh, I hated my life completely, but yeah, there was, there was definitely time, especially when you started getting older and you kind of see you, you missed, I feel like you missed out a little bit on, uh, your childhood, in, in a way, just because you were doing nothing but training. Yeah. That makes any sense. But yeah, uh, no, yeah, makes, makes you're right, sense. though. I think sports evolved. We're a lot smarter about it. Um, you know when to rest. You know when to train. You know, you know what's too much. And like I said, I don't blame I don't blame my old man for it. He didn't know anything else besides, hey, I want you to be the best, and we're going to do everything we can to. I mean, you look back at, I don't know if you've seen the Kerry Colott film, but like his dad sounds like, it was you know, this is not an uncommon thing. And it, and these dads did these things for the right reasons and like had the best sure. interest in they mind. They, they just weren't educated. They do it out of so. love, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this, those, that story with, you know, like you were talking Colott and, and myself and I know a couple other kids, very, very similar situations. Yeah. Um, so as you're going through all this rigorous training, do you feel the purpose behind it? Or is there like mode, like, okay, yes, I'm going to, I want to, I want to be a four-time state champ, or I want to be an Olympic champ, or I want to win state this year or this, that, or the other, or was it just like, I just got to get our grind because this is what I'm supposed to do. No, I definitely, there was definitely purpose. Uh, yeah. you had goals and you had things you were chasing and, and pursuing and, and that's kind of what drove you to do it where you're not just going through the motions, but you know, you're doing it, you're doing it to improve. You're, you're doing it to close the gap on guys or separate yourself from guys. Um, and, and just seeing how good you can be. So there was definitely, it was everything I did. I didn't, I didn't do it. Like just drag my feet, get through this. First of all, unacceptable from, from obviously my, my father, but, yeah. And it became unacceptable to you, right? If you're going to do something, you do it to be the best you can be. You do it, and he always said, you don't put your name on it, right? So if you're if you're if you're going to sweep the garage, you sign your name at the end of it, and you're either proud of it or hey, TJ Siebel swept this garage like like crap, right? So that's just kind of how I was brought up. I love that. Put your name on it. Ah, uh, yep. Growing up, did you? attend prior to high school obviously did you did you ever go to high school meets or specifically like the iowa state tournament to get a to see and feel of it and the same thing with either hawkeye meets or cyclones or you and i and or the ncaa championships like did you get to watch these things before you you know tried to get to that level and do it absolutely um i'm skipping steps here and you're probably gonna be like oh man we we already passed so we talked a little bit want. about how i trained with uh in my in my home environment 
but uh, I don't, again, I don't remember the timeline on all this, but I eventually went to a club. I think it was the first of its kind. And that was Pablo Yabasa's club. And he was doing it in Carver. Like, I think the first year he started was the year Gable retired or real close. Like we were, the first year I was in there was Dan Gable's last year. So we were doing that too. So that's where I started, you know, following college wrestling. And obviously I had favorite Iowa Hawkeye wrestlers. And then we ended up going to dual meets and that led to going to the NCAA tournament. And yeah, we went to the high school state tournament a whole bunch. I mean, all the way back to when I first started talking about Jason Olupnik, I went and watched him wrestle Chad Zapital or not Chad, Chase Zapital, Chad's brother. And I'm this is like six years old. We were watching seven years old, maybe we were watching the high school state tournament and whatever age, like I said, that I started going to the Iowa, Iowa room, which is two and a half hour drive just to get there. And we were doing that three, four times a week on top of everything else I already talked about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we definitely did that. We definitely watched college wrestling and I had favorite wrestlers and, and when it was really all you could relate to your borderline become obsessed with wanting to be like those guys right yeah i'm sure who was your favorite you said you had favorites do you remember my first favorite wrestler is mark ironside <laughs> just from watching him second was doug schwab then i think mike zadick i, I like watching mike zadick a lot after schwab graduated so obviously you liked kelsey anderson when he was going through too yeah because that was right there in that timeline those especially the, th the three iowa guys you mentioned they're all just like pit bulls just yeah, like Eric Jurgens, I like Eric Jurgens a lot. Yeah. And TJ Williams. TJ Williams was going through his beast. So, yeah, a lot of fun watching those guys. Sure. As it becomes your time to to come into high school, and, and you said you went to a bunch of high school state tournaments. Describe finally, you know, watching it as a kid, and then and then finally being there and, and being a part of it. The old high school state tournament in Betts Memorial Auditorium was the barn. Yeah, right? the barn. It was. It was just like this legendary. I don't. You have to experience it to understand, and especially going th watching it as a kid, you just hear this roaring crowd, and you almost, in your mind, turn it into this beast, this this monster. Like, oh my God, this is the state tournament. When really after you've experienced it once or twice, you get that the first couple matches on, out of the way, you know, it's, Hey, you know, I've wrestled, I've wrestled places where they, they have a lot more people in the building than this and against a lot tougher competition, but there's just something about it growing up watching it. And once you finally get there and you wrestle that first match there, you're so stinking nervous. I remember being so nervous for my first match inside inside the barn but uh obviously it's great memories now so i don't remember the question anymore <laughs> uh I, I don't know it's just talking about the state tournament really uh so like it's it's funny you talk about being nervous because i know you won right i know you won four titles your freshman year were you favored um one were you kind of the favorite or did you did you sneak through and two did you Everybody wants to win, but did you believe you were going to win going into your freshman year? Um, I, I did. Here's here's the thing. I don't know if this has ever happened before, but just my how my middle school wrestling went, and I started really get good in seventh eighth grade. Um, for some reason, I was ranked number one day one of rankings of high school wrestling, which surprised me. I remember being like, oh, wow, this is a reality. I can win this, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, you, you want to be a four-timer, but I remember that feeling like, okay, I'm supposed to win, right? Yeah. So, but still, you still got to go do it. And, again, watching watching the state tournament and the craziness that happens there and the upset that happens there, uh, you just you never let your guard down. You, I was never, like, relaxed, especially that freshman year. Uh, I think I was supposed to win. I thought I was going to win, but you're nervous. Um, I had a ranked guy first round, but took care of business. I think I teched him or close to. 
So, well, that's my the next question was like, did you kind of skate through the tournament, or it sounds like first period, first round tech? But did you, what was your? Did you ever have a skate? I, I dominated my freshman year. I think I got it was either a major decision or tech first round. Then similar thing. I'm pretty sure tech fall second round. Then I major decision semis, major decision finals. So I don't think I skated through, but kind of. I mean, it's not like these guys were, were were bad wrestlers either. It was just the the training I put into that point. You know, the gas tank was ridiculous, and I was just uh, like machine gun mentality of attack, 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 attack. How about so that first year? Did you ever have a scare at the state tournament? Close, you know, I guess a scare is more there, than a close matches. Maybe you had a close one. Yeah, I had some close matches. It's closer than they should have been. And a lot of it was uh, me not maybe doing the things I should be doing. I'm not doing my weight right and and getting away from things I was doing my freshman year and maybe, maybe wrestling a little bit lazier, not – not letting guys up and building my leads and getting another takedown, kind of just riding them and, and keeping it closer than it should have been. I did have a, I did have a really bad concussion my sophomore year. Plus I was cutting too much weight probably where I had a weird match. I'm trying to remember the round. I think it was quarterfinals. It might've been semis. I think the score was like 15 to nine, just giving away a lot of, a lot of silly reversals and, some some scrambles i just didn't perform well I, I was never like in danger of losing but closer than it should have been and that same year i wrestled in the finals i only i won four to one i took the kid down rode him the whole period tried to turn him it got called potentially dangerous for running a bar arm like 20 times the one point he scored i locked my i locked my hands when he did a switch i guess so <laughs> that was the closest closest score i think four to one sure um and seeing as, I guess, even from a, a young age, you, you had your eyes on high schools and, and you're looking at college because you're training at Carver with Pablo Guasa. What Was there ever any doubt? Did you did you think you might go this, that, or the other? Was it like, I just want to go to Iowa? Oh, I for sure wanted to go to Iowa. And I didn't even end up going there, but there was nowhere else. I mean, like I said, remember when I said I was a bit obsessed? I mean, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with wanting to be an Iowa Hawkeye and weird how things worked out. Yeah. But there was no one else. <laughs> no one else. Did you take recruiting trips? Did you get recruited by the Hawks? Yep. Yep. I took a recruiting trip to Iowa, Iowa State, UNI, Virginia Tech, maybe Minnesota. I think that's it. So what happened? Oh, uh, okay. So you're like, you grow up, you watch Iowa win national titles, dominate, dominate. And then the Gable thing happens. Lesky took over. They were winning. And then all of a sudden they started to, to drop, right? I don't, I think the year I was getting recruited, they got like sixth in the big tens or something like that. And your dad's involved and he's not maybe liking the way the program's headed and Tom Brands leaves who, you know, that's, that's the guy you look up to. I was big brands fan, especially after I, you know, got around him. Right. Yeah. Uh, just their mentality and, and, and everything. And so now there's the Virginia tech thing. And I don't know. I mean, dad got involved, money got involved. Uh, the offer, I think Iowa was the only school that didn't offer me a full ride out of all those ones I mentioned and my dad didn't want me to go anywhere that wasn't going to give me a full ride. So that's kind of what happened. Wow. So, um, so what next? So you don't, so you don't want to go to Iowa because they're not offering you a full ride. What happens then? You, you took all these trips. Uh, I ended up going to Iowa state, uh, Kelsey Anderson. He's, he's, he's good at, He's good at talking to you and recruiting you. Um, uh -huh. And I don't remember exactly what my thought process was completely, but I mean, it was like, okay, I want to go. I like Virginia Tech, but I didn't know if I wanted to be that far away and over there because I was, I lived a pretty sheltered life. So that was kind of, 
would have seemed that would it just seemed weird. Um, so I just chose close to home. I chose Iowa State because I mean, obviously the offer was there, and Kale Sanderson was Kale Sanderson, and, and that's where I ended up. And that was that had to be early on. With I mean, Kale wasn't even at Iowa State that long. But what, you know, when you got there, what 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 was it like? I mean, he's obviously an amazing <laughs> coach. Um. I don't think he was the head coach when I committed. It was still Bobby. Uh-huh. But shortly after I committed, again, the timeline's fuzzy, but that's when the whole thing happened where Jimmy got fired. Um, Tom came back to Iowa. Kel took over at Iowa State. It all like, it was pretty shortly after I decided I was going to Iowa State. So that was, that was there too, right? Wow, yeah. And maybe in the back of your head. But I don't know. It is what it is. That's what happened. Crazy. Sure. So you, when you show up at Ames, is is it Bobby there? Uh, Kill. Kill. Yeah. My first year when I was at Ames, it was Kill, Cody, Zach Robertson, Robinson, or obviously his last yep. name. Um, uh, wow. Long, Long, Dylan Long. Yep. Tim Hartung. That was the coaching staff. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's a pretty Bob, solid. Bobby was still in and out. He wasn't like never in there, but he just wasn't the head coach anymore. Well, that must have been an interesting time to show up because that's the start of, of Kale's head coaching career. We, he's clearly one of the best, really, it's him and Gable, right? Like the, the two most successful coaches. Sure. What was that like showing up? What message did he have for the team? Um, what was that like? Uh, the message, I think, you know, pretty simple. Hey, you know, be a good person. Um, smiling was important to him. If you weren't smiling all the time, he was worried about you. That's one thing I remember, which he was, he was worried about me quite a bit because I, I wasn't smiling very much. Um, he did. That's Everybody asked me this question. And from what I can remember, he kind of turned it over to his staff mostly as far as in the room. Sure, he'd grab you, he'd work with you, he'd talk to you, and sometimes maybe run a workout. But most of the time, he was wrestling, and Hartong was running a workout, or Cody Cody was working with me. Um, so different than what I expected, probably. And I'm sure things have evolved and changed. He was he was young, right? His first year, he's yeah. probably been coaching two years, two years in college yeah, at he's this point, five or something. So. I'm sure just like everybody else, he, he's gotten a ton better and evolved. But it was – he was quiet. He was, he was really quiet. That's what I remember. And like I said, a lot of the same things that you see now about making sure you're enjoying wrestling and and that you're really just being a good person is, was important to him. And I think, you know, obviously, from just from what you see and you hear, that it's that none of that's changed for sure. <laughs> I I feel like I hear like he still wrestles a ton too. Um, yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. Um, so how did things unfold for you with Iowa State? Uh, I've told this story a couple times, but I I was I wasn't I wasn't ready for the Division One lifestyle. Uh, again, I was homeschooled. I was sheltered. I had no social, like I was socially awkward. I didn't know how to talk to, I didn't really know how to talk to people outside of the wrestling people that I was around all the time. I didn't really know how to talk to girls very well. Uh, I just felt out of place. I felt, I felt weird. I felt uncomfortable. I mean, really, really uncomfortable. And then obviously classes. I know I told this story to Klingman, but I remember I never took like a, when I went on a visit, I never took like a campus tour or anything like that. I didn't really know how the college thing worked. It was, hey, you homeschooled, and now you got to go find this building where your class is. And I remember getting lost and showing up late. I couldn't find this freaking class. I couldn't find the building. I couldn't find the classroom. Um, so I showed up really late to my first class, and that was my, that was my first experience. But just kind of overwhelmed, overwhelmed and panicked and just started skipping a bunch of class. Um Never really skipped workouts or anything like that. Wrestling was not going terrible. I was doing okay. I had to learn. I had to learn how to do my weight right, like you know, a lot of college kids got to learn how to do. 
yeah. you know my first tournament that was a problem and then i bounced back just from not doing it the, the silly way um then falling behind in classes and kind of being afraid to fail really being afraid to fail on the college scene and i ended up just getting out of there honestly um you regret it you regret it as you grow older you think how you would have done things different but when you're young you're dumb and you make silly choices sure um i i understand that pressure too of like school and wrestling and and maybe maybe just doing okay when you're used to kicking ass um right was this your your freshman year when when you when you took off or was it first semester or second semester or, and, and did you talk I, to your folks I, I mean, or coaches I, I, i'm asking a lot of questions here no you're all right i uh i finished my first first year i mean it was summertime i went home for the summer and i know i was supposed to be going back for workouts and camp and i started like working construction on the side with my dad he didn't know what i was supposed to be doing really i mean he'd ask questions and i would just I don't know if I lied at the time or what. I can't really remember. But I just wasn't going back to Ames. I was, I was staying home. And I just decided I wasn't going back. Uh, I wish I could go back and kind of get in my own head and see what I was thinking again. But, again, that fear of what are people going to think about me, fear of failing and not going and accomplishing what is expected of me got in my head. And I, I took the easy way out. So that's what happened. <laughs> Not good. Sure. I appreciate, appreciate your honesty. Um, yeah. Did, at some point you, you did have this conversation with your dad, who sounds like, you know, been very, I don't know if militant start word, but very uh, intense, right? Uh, maybe over the top yeah. or what was that conversation? Hey dad, I'm, I'm, th I'm not, I'm done. I'm not going back. How did that go? Uh, I was nervous and it, it went, okay first of all let's go back to the grade thing my grades my grades after first semester were terrible because i skipped i mean i skipped midterms i skipped i skipped a lot of class so uh, obviously kill called me over christmas break and was like well this ain't gonna cut it and i got tutors and all this stuff and i ended up getting my grades a lot better they weren't great but they were a lot better and Obviously, so that was in the back of your mind. Um, obviously, finished second semester, went home. We already went through this, going through construction and everything like that. And obviously, Kel became concerned with me not coming back for workouts and camps and everything like that. And, well, so obviously, some of my teammates were. And the phone calls started happening. And I think he kind of sensed that I didn't want to go back. And so how I remember it is he talked to my mom. There was a meeting at my house in my living room, kind of blindsided my dad. Was and Kale there or just your I parents? Said, what's that? Kale wasn't at this meeting, was he? Yeah. Kale, oh. Cody, my dad, my mom, me. And this is at my house or at my dad's house in Centerville, Iowa, late summer at this point. And that's where the first time I said, I don't want to go back was right there in that living room. And honestly, Kale, I think he, he knew there was issues going on in my head and he understood. I would want to say, at least that's how he acted. I don't really know what he thought, but then my dad was upset and he, he let me know that for a long time. <laughs> But uh, at that point, I was just like, you know what? I'm not doing it. I was, I don't know. It's hard to go back and, and remember what my, my thought process was. Yeah. But I kind of was being stubborn. And I had opportunities to go wrestle. I had oppor opportunities to go wrestle junior college and everything else, but I chose not to. Did you think... I can understand being fed up or burnout or just fear of failure, all the things you said. Um, was it like, man, I'm done. I'm out with wrestling. In your head, was it like just leaving this behind and I'll, I'll do something else in life? Or was the thought – it was hard to think ahead, and I'm sure you weren't thinking about making a club and everything, but did you kind of want to get away from the sport or did you just want to stop wrestling? At that time, I wanted to – 
just make money and see what life was about outside of doing nothing but training 24 seven, I think. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of that. Um, I never, I never hated wrestling. I don't know how to explain. It. I never hated the sport. I was just like, you know what? I'm sick of freaking, I'm sick of everybody and their opinions. I'm sick of all these expectations and worrying about whether I'm going to please somebody or not. And I'm just getting it off my back is what, is what I think I was thinking. And that's what I did. And I obviously was tempted to go back a couple of times. And for some reason in my mind, I was like, well, you know what? If it's not freaking division one, I'm not doing it. And I never went back. Um, so when did the idea of, of, you know, did you start training? Was it, were you up kind of like to today with, you have a club and you guys are doing great, but was it like your dad where you had one or two kids and then three or four, and then we need something bigger or was it like, I want to start a club and this is big vision from the start. Okay. So I stopped competing in 07. It wasn't until 2011 spring of 20 well late winter of 2011 that i started running a club somewhere around there i think uh-huh. so there was time there was time where i you know i tried out normal day jobs and i i went to i went to school and got my associate's degree and all that and you i just felt like a part of my life was missing I tried to get away from it a little bit, but like I said, I never hated wrestling. I just hated, I hated all the crap that came with it at the time. I didn't know how to handle that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but there was always people had something to say. And I always, I know I said this up to uh, uh, the wrestling is my life podcast. It was like, like, like message boards. It all, it all got to me. What people thought got to me. And that's something I was really guilty of. And I still am a little bit to this day. I'm a lot better than I used to be. But worrying about what people think really ruined my career. That's the best way to put it. Instead of, you know, who cares what people think. Just see how good you can be, right? Yeah. Um, But anyway, back to the story. So after, you know, a couple years where I was kind of helping a uh, uh, not a uh, ju- juco program coaching wise. I was assistant coach still rolling around with guys. I remember being at juco nationals coaching and being like, man, I really, I really love helping these kids because you put in the time with someone and then you've seen it pay off. That feeling I got is what led me to start a club. I remember that. And I came back home from that JUCO tournament, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a wrestling club. And I was working a day job at the time, too. So, What was it? What was your day job? All started. I was working at Linex, Linex truck accessories. So I was helping put on truck accessories, spraying bed liners, spraying Winnebago steps, uh, doing that kind of stuff. So just a blue-collar job. But yeah. I was enjoying it at the time and just – after a while, it got pretty same thing every day, right? Yeah. And you just didn't feel like no matter how hard you freaking worked, you weren't getting anywhere. And I didn't like that feeling. I remember that. And I'm like, I'm going to do something that I feel like I have a reason to to get excited about. And that's when I started the club. And at the beginning, it was just, well, actually, at the beginning, first practice I had, I had like a free practice, right? Uh, what practice? And a whole bunch, like like a free trial practice. Free, okay, yeah. Yep, and a whole bunch of people came, and I ran like a hard workout, <laughs> like really hard, just because that's really all I knew from how I grew up, right? And only a handful of kids came back, like two or three kids came back in the beginning, and that's how we started. And Colin Schriever was one of those kids, so I had him from the get go. Like most, well, I don't know about most. Some people might be like, hey, I'm starting a club. 
I need to make money, right? And I know you do it because you love it, but like, if it's going to be a profession, I need to make, and they'd say, let me run a practice that will allow more kids to come back so I can more, but you were like, no, F it. I'm running whoever wants to be here. Like, that's interesting. And I get it. That's the only, that's maybe all you knew. Well, I didn't know that the club was going to morph into my, my livelihood at the time. I was going to do it on the side in the beginning. Okay. I was going to have my day job and I'm going to do the club on the side. And if I was going to do a club, I'm going to do it right. I'm not. I'm not just going to run this this uh, daycare program, right? I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm. Yeah. A, I want to have kids that are serious about the sport and are willing to work hard and want to get better and want to accomplish, you know, their goals in the sport of wrestling. Not, not just hey, we go here and we roll around a little bit and I get money from it. That's Right. was never what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it right from the beginning. And there was a standard. And I don't feel like I've ever wavered on that. There's always been a standard. And it's not for everybody. Um, it is It is tough. I mean, we do work hard. But obviously, things have went pretty pretty well recently. So I think we're doing something, something all right. Sure. At what point did it go from wanting to be like a side hobby to like to your livelihood? Um, I remember it perfectly. So I was going to the state tournament. That's the only tournament I was going to coach at at the time because, again, I'm I'm basing a lot of what I'm doing off of what I seen growing up. That's kind of how my dad did. He went to Tulsa Nationals. He went to state. It's the only tournaments he went and coached. Uh-huh. And obviously, I was out of the club scene. It it had morphed into something else in the the five six years whatever it was. Uh, since I was competing and even more so go all the way back to when you were in club early high school years. Right. And as they were doing it different now, and I remember Colin, Colin Schriever be, being to his mom. She told me this is the only tournament TJ is going to coach is a state tournament. And that bothered me. It bothered me. So I went and talked to my boss at the day job at the time. I was like, Hey, I need, you know, there's going to be Fridays. I got to miss because I got to go to this tournament, stuff like that. And that became like a, a strain to the point where I'm like, all right, I need to figure out a way to have more of a, f- a flexible free schedule. And I ended up getting another daytime job after I, I stopped working there. I was actually working in the dorms of the, of the JUCO being a security guy just so I could have that time to grow my club and focus on my club. And until it got to the point where, you know, it, it could – support my livelihood and my family which was a couple years in probably and and even when i finally decided hey this is all i'm gonna do i mean we skimmed by for a while because i never had huge numbers till i still don't think i have huge numbers because i don't allow it to get crazy big but until you know five six years into it did we have uh you know where we were living relatively okay and we were definitely skimming by for a long time. And my wife will probably tell you, I mean, we lived in a hole in the wall <laughs> where it was like 300 bucks rent this house. This house was tiny and disgusting, but that's how we, that's how we started struggle. I mean, we did it the hard way. What was it ever? I assume it was, was it scary to finally pull the trigger and be like, I'm quit my job. And this is it. This there's no safety net. It was, but when you burn when you burn the, the boats or whatever you want to call it, I mean you have no choice, right? Yeah. So you find a way to be successful. And that's kind of what we did. But uh, I, I give all the credit to my wife who was either my girlfriend or fiance at the time who supported me one hundred percent the whole way. Uh-huh. And she was she was going through nursing school at the time. So it's not like she was making any money either. So it was uh it was tough, but I think it made us better in the long run. Sure. Um, what have you taken? What can you take from your experience? Um, or from your experience, what advice do you give kids who maybe you're in the same position that you were or maybe, you know, have reservations about the sport at times? Um. Well, it depends. Uh, you're talking the exact same situation where obviously dad's hard on them and everything. It could be. 
my biggest thing is don't like I, I said this don't allow the thought of what people are going to think about you and what they're going to say about you if you fail and don't allow that to even enter your mind who cares at the end of the day you know, I wish I would have thought this way example whoever wins the tournament today in four days from now nobody's going to care all they're going to care about is who's going to be the next national champ you know that kind of mindset and then a little bit less about you know the fear of losing and focus just on seeing how good you can be we had a guy come in and talk to our kids one he was a navy seal he talked about the difference between goal setting and and just seeing how good you can be and sure there's milestones along the way milestones you want to hit along the way but at the end of the day the only goal the only goal is see how good you can be not x and that really i really sat there and listened to that and i'm like man i wish i would have had that mindset because i think things would have been a lot different instead of worrying about hey if i don't win this if i don't accomplish this if i don't do these things that people say i'm supposed to do right don't don't allow that mindset to enter um be fearless be fearless don't worry about losing just see how good you can be that would be my advice can't be afraid to lose put it on the line and i think my kids have done a really good job and i've kind of fed them that mindset to where hey keep putting it on the line because you see it time and time again you have a kid go to who's number one they'll win and then when do you see him wrestle again you know what I mean? And that's something I'm super proud of my kids for because they don't do that because they've they've adopt, adopted the mindset of I'm talking about, well, you know what? No, that's done and over with. I want to be better. Let's keep putting it online. Let's see how good I can be. And you might lose and you might lose. But you know what? Who cares? Back to work. Back to getting better. Um, Drake Ayala did that. You go to Nate Jessaroga, put it on the line every single big tournament all year. And that's what I'm talking about. That's a mindset I didn't have, and I wish I would have. You're, you're talking about how you preach mindset and talk about the mental side with your kids today. Did your dad or any of your coaches along – was mindset talked about when as you were coming up through as an athlete? No. Nope. Um, that's, again I, – again, I don't blame anyone. Um Things have evolved. We're we're all smarter about how we do things anymore. But a lot of that came came from learning the hard way, right? But uh, no, it was just winning, <laughs> win, win, or you're a failure. That's kind of how I viewed it, anyways. Sure. Uh, I expect you to win. That's that's how it was for me, and that's what I don't want it to be at the same time, you know what? Winning is important. Don't get that wrong. And it's important in this club. And we, Hey, yeah, we want to, we want to accomplish great things. We want to win, but do it the right way. Make sure you're, you're putting on the line and you're evolving and you're getting better and you're growing. Now that's number one. Getting better is, is the number one thing. Winning is behind that. Um, and you, you mentioned evolving, right? And, and thinking back to your first free, I think, practice it was when three, ki three kids, two kids showed up the next time because it was so hard. How have you evolved as a coach since day one? Well, I think I've came a long ways. Um, smarter, smarter reading your athletes. Um, it's not just about running kids in the ground and that's it. And that's kind of how I started probably. Hey, we're just going to – we're going to only outwork everyone and maybe kind of not being open-minded enough to to evolving and learning and and seeing that there's better ways to do things uh, i'm not saying that i'm i've gotten soft by any means that's that's not the word i would use because i think we still probably train harder than than probably a lot of college programs but it's just done it's just done smarter and like i said i've done a lot i i, I know how to see what my athlete needs a lot better instead of just being stubborn and being like, you know what? No, you're going to do this anyways. Uh, you got to read the energy. You got to communicate with your kids. You got to create relationships with them. You also got to evolve in, you know, some of your training methods in, in, in throughout the season. 
and know when to back off and and things like that. You, you just get better every little every little thing from from coaching in a corner to to what your athlete needs to hear after a loss to to all those things. I think I've I've gotten better in all those areas for sure. Um okay, and seven Fargo champs. Amazing. I think I think I heard the stat that you guys if you were your own state you'd have won it or taken top, whatever. It, it was really impressive. Are you surprised? Like uh, like man, we kinda outdid ourselves. Or it's like nope. This is – I'm not surprised at all. I knew this. Uh, I knew – listen, I said in the sauna to the boys when we had our Fargo prep camp just for our club because that's this is the first year I did that, um, whether that was part of what had us really prepared or not. I don't really know, but I'm sure as heck going to do it again because obviously you're not going to undo that when, when you went and had that kind of a tournament. But um, – I said to the kids, I go, hey, I mean, we have the firepower in here for this to be our best Fargo showing ever, but you got to go take it. And, and they did. So I don't know if I'm surprised. I was, I was, I was happy. I mean, a lot of things went really well for us, but at the same time, you look at, you look at a couple of guys who lost on that bubble, that blood round and guys that do everything right. And that still eats at you, right? So while on the outside, yeah, well, all this greatness went on, but at the same time, there's still we still left, believe it or not, we left a ton on the table. Um, in my in my mind. Now, am I still proud of the way these kids competed and wrestled? Absolutely. Um surprised? I don't know if that's the right word. Just proud. Okay. Um I wanted to jump gears Definitely. here. Was that? I said, does that make any sense? Yeah, of course. Because, um, because, because while there's obviously there's a lot of good, you still you still think about those guys that are hurting, and you know that they could have done more than they did. So, I mean, I don't think we outdid ourselves by any means. They did a good job, and going seven for seven in the freestyle finals. Okay, maybe did that. I kind of go, wow, we actually did that. Yeah, a little bit, but um, you knew you could. So I don't know, like I said, I don't know if surprise is the right word, but how often does it go that well for you? Maybe not that often. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear you though, right? It's like, unless everybody wins, there's a party that's hurting for whoever came up short. Yeah. And I'm not being unrealistic either because not everybody's going to win, but there are guys that maybe, okay, they should have been on the podium. They should have, and they let it slip away on the blood round. A um, couple mental errors, and there are guys that, like I said, they definitely did everything right up to this point. And to see them, to to see them crying on the floor after they got beat on the blood round, you know that that sticks with you. So, yeah, sure. Well, um, you're clearly in the right direction, and and things are going really well for you. I got a couple other questions before we get we get out of here, and these aren't quite as hard. Um, Superman, the S, you know, that's like, it, it's a great branding because anytime I'm at a wrestling tournament and you see, I'm like, oh, I think it's Seabolt. Where'd that come from? Where's the idea, the inspiration behind that? Okay, so I was the kid that was super into Ninja Turtles. Hell yeah. Batman, Power Rangers, super, Superman, all these action heroes, right? And I was also that kid that was really really nice and my dad had frustrations with me not you know going out on the mat and being tough not being tough on the mat and he obviously knew you know that what i was into i was into action figures and superheroes and and this that and i don't know what there was about superman but i was drawn to the cartoon just because this guy had superpowers and he could fly and he was strong and i like that right yeah so i remember him using the analogy that okay when you're off the mat you're you got the glasses on you're you're uh, a gentleman you're a mild-mannered Clark Kent right and when you when when it's time to go on the mat glasses come off you rip that shirt and it's time to bring the s out and time to go fight and that stuck with me forever 
and that just made me even a bigger fan of the character and um, kind of just kind of even, you know, that's a little bit of our philosophy in this program is, hey, you're, you're a gentleman off the mat and you terrorize people on the mat. Uh, you do the right thing. You hold the door open for the lady at the gas station. You you pick up the bottle that somebody threw on the ground and put it in the trash can. But when it's time, when it's time to freaking put on the S, it's time to beat people up. And and that's that's kind of where it came from. Okay. Um, and the other one, maybe it's just the way you you like you wear this hat all the time, and it's like I feel like it's always pulled down low, and I'm like. <laughs> I can't, what's that guy thinking? What is, this is kind of mysterious. Me? Yeah, I always feel like the hat's like just a little, like right on the eye line where I'm like, is he, is that just where he wears his hat? I'll just try to put it on my forehead a little higher. No, you know, no <laughs> by no means, no. It's just something I noticed. Um, I'm like, I can see it from across the way with the shirt and the hat. I'm like, that, I know who that is. Uh, it's it's good. I think I get misunderstood a lot of tournaments for this guy that always looks mad or something like that. But that's really not it. I'm just I'm in a zone, man. I'm 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 all about my kids. I'm thinking about the next opponent. I'm thinking about what I need to say to them or what they need, and maybe I I, I should get a little bit better at being approachable or communicating with people who try to come up and say hi to me. But when I'm in a zone, I'm in a zone, and I'm I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, so. That's pretty normal to be misunderstood yeah. for. Don't apologize. Yeah. I think it's great. It's like, it's awesome. your brand. That's who you are, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, no doubt. Um, man, we're kind of, we're kind of running down to the end of the hour here, but this has been an awesome conversation, really kind of digging into your background and, and hearing your story and, and probably a lot of things that maybe didn't go the way you wanted, but that helped shape you into the person and coach you are today though. So, um, Congrats on all the success. Um, yeah, and sure. we're, we're going to give you the final word, though. Anything you want to say before we let you move on with your day? Uh, I would just say to all the, the young guys out there to be willing to do what's hard. Be willing to do what's hard. A lot of people in this world don't want to do what's hard anymore. They always look for the easier way. But uh, for any athletes that want to <laughs> – that want to get better and want to accomplish their goals, be willing to do what's hard. Awesome. And I'll say thank you. Thanks to you guys for having me on. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, TJ. Hopefully, um, hopefully you get your fly swatter out and take care of that guy. Cause he's uh, been yeah, all up I've, in your face, man. I've had, I've had the doors open in the wrestling room. They're stinking everywhere. In here. Oh, you're in the wrestling room. That's fantastic. I'm in the wrestling room. Man. We're in the wrestling room. Like, oh, get dude. Over here. There Tell me go. about your facility real quick before we let you go. All right, let's check this out. How long you been in this uh, place? What's that? How long have you been in this facility? Oh, nice. We got in here May of 2020 during COVID. And it was kind of like I, my hand got forced a little bit uh, because we were, we were using college rooms. We were renting them. And obviously during COVID, we couldn't get in there yeah it's not gonna and work. when it's your livelihood you gotta find a, you gotta find a way dude but that's awesome you have your own wrestling room now it is awesome it's uh it's allowed us i think to do a lot more things so you can create your own schedule i mean private lessons all of it so it works really well was that uh was that in the original plan like in the original was it eventually we like i'd like to eventually do this or was it just like man i got no choice Oh, you, you said you wanted to do it. It was a, it was a, a goal, but I think when maybe you're kind of comfortable with how things are yeah. that you keep putting it on the back burner. Uh -huh. So when, when you had no choice, like, Hey, you got to get a room or this thing's going to die. It definitely, uh, lights a fire under you. Right. Is this and kitchen? It turns into a reality. Yeah. This is, this is the downstairs to the, the bunkhouse. So, when we have camps, counselors and coaches crash in here, we got little bedrooms in here. No way. There's another one over here. Freaking amazing. A little TV area. Kitchen. It's not just a wrestling wife. room. It's a facility. It's like a, yeah. Bathroom, shower. 
and there's actually an upstairs to this with a bunch of bunks. If you don't mind me walking all over the place. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So you like you have uh, you have camps, kid people come stay. Yep, we uh, like I said, we did that a couple weeks before Fargo. We did that Fargo prep camp of just our kids, just our high school kids, and they stayed here for five days, Sunday through Friday. This is a little weight area. No, oh nothing crazy. Amazing. We got some equipment, and they stay right there in the in the in the sleeping quarters. So, yeah, it works really well, and we feed them here and everything. Out. Right here's where we uh, usually set up a bunch of tables. Set up a bunch of tables in here. They eat right in here. We got a sauna back there too. That's what I'm talking about. I just built a sauna. My Maritime bikes. It's kind of a mess in here right now. Oh my but, god! This is like you could have. Well, you know everything you could have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I gotta tell you nothing you don't know. Oh, I didn't turn the light on. Hang on a second. But yeah, we uh, we get them up. We take them on a run. We're in a small town, so running outside is pretty easy. Yeah. Not gonna worry about fast traffic or anything like that. Here we're in the sauna. Dang, it's beautiful. Uh, Hell yeah, you could fit fifteen people in, probably twenty, maybe more. We we we've had forty kids in here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was tight. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's big. And I'll take you up to the bunkhouse. <laughs> so, like, uh, Fargo just got over. You guys work out right away. Take some time off. I know. Who's number one's not that far away. Exactly. That that changes things a little bit. Um, I gave them a little – obviously, those freestyle guys got back to Fargo. I didn't have them in here right away. But we've had two workouts, two folk-style workouts since we got home from Fargo. Okay. This is the bunkhouse. Oh, no way. So it's we got like barracks. Bunk, bunks oh, three high. Yeah. One, two, three. All the way through here. Wow. Dude. Let's have a party. Wrestling party. Okay. See, Klingman hasn't seen any of this. Well, I, you know what? I, I don't trust that Klingman guy. He's, he's bad news. I think, when he, I think when he was here, it was just like uh, wood frame. That's it. Bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, well, I haven't showed you the locker room yet. <laughs> so how many square yeah, how many square feet is the whole thing? thing? Oh, I would have to pull up the pull like up the the, the whatever. But the, the wrestling room, it's like it's like four thousand or something like that. By the time you count everything. Yeah. Just the wrestling part of the building because it's a it's. What we just were is an add-on. It's an addition. Okay. So to to this building right here, and this goes all the way back. We got a locker room in here. Man, what's your dad think of this place? He had his own, you know, evolved from a, a mat to a, a building. Nice. Uh, he thinks it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. He actually. Uh, Came and looked at it with me. First time we ever looked at it. So he was involved a little bit in the process of getting it. Yeah. Do you look at other places? No, because this one was was only, you know, a half hour west of Ames where we were already training. I mean, that was where our biggest location was. Mm -hmm. And it was so stinking cheap, I couldn't not do it. So it was basically, I came here and was like, yeah, this is the place. So, yeah. Awesome. And that's the building. <laughs> this has been fantastic. I thought we were done and we got, we got a field trip. Heck yeah. Awesome. Cool. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Thanks for showing us the place. 
thanks for sh uh, sharing your story with us and congrats on the success and um, I'll see you at who's number one. Sounds good, buddy. Thank you. All right, thanks, Appreciate DJ. it. Take care. All right, Have a great day. Bye. All right, folks. Man, awesome. Ran over time, but no big deal. That was a, a fantastic show. Thanks to TJ for joining us, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Take care. Have a great day.